Hello, here we are back again for a very, very special episode of The Thirst Time. For those of you that have been keeping up to date with what we kind of have been doing at the moment, um, last week saw us launch our new double IPA, which was part of a global collaboration with our friends Finback out in New York. And the project is called Breathing Conversations. Breathing Conversations is a project launched by our friends at Finback that's using beer as a platform to push forward the difficult conversations surrounding race, injustice and equality. Not only have they launched this as a global collaboration, they've also, and I'll quote them here, pledged $10,000 to found Beyond Beer, a planned not-for-profit organisation with the mission of engaging people of colour and the brewing industry at large to work on issues of diversity and inclusivity for the long term. Now, I know there may be some battle cries here of stick to beer, but for us, this is exactly what we're doing. Beer is a vessel, a product that brings us together as people to laugh, talk, maybe let that guard down a little and connect. And in that connection, maybe stir up conversations about the current situations we find ourselves in. Now, I started this podcast to do just that, to connect with people all over the world and get a feel for what brought them to beer and why they stayed. Now, the very first guest on that podcast, as you're probably aware, was Anthony. Anthony was the first guest for a reason, because this man exudes positivity, enthusiasm and optimism, all of which are traits that we need to push this thing forward. Now, these conversations aren't always easy, but I strongly believe that this is not a reason to shy away from them. These conversations are vital to our communities and community as we've kind of gone on through every episode and talked about is at the heart of what we do. Now, as part of this project, all the breweries involved were asked to choose a quote or a bit of text to adorn their can, and we chose the wise words of Maya Angelou. Prejudice is a burden that confuses the past, threatens the future, and renders the present inaccessible. You are listening to The Thirst Time. This is a very special episode, Breathing Conversations, with our good friend, Anthony Totten. So the, the, the concept behind breathing kind of came to uh, kind of came to us, you know, Basil and I, the week after the week, excuse me, the week that, uh, you know, after George Floyd got killed, we um, we had just been having some very intense, uncomfortable conversations. And mm-hmm. it kind of it kind of happened because um, you, you, we just, you know, the, the, you know, the Wednesday after, you know, it happened on a Monday. And then the Wednesday after we like have a meeting and, you know, it's like, you know, they, you know, Basil's like, how are you? You know? And I'm like, I mean, it's, it's just heavy, you know? And, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one to, you know, shy away from conversation, you know? So we just start talking about it, you know, and, and it starts with how I was feeling. And then, you know, almost, you know, a feeling of, 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 you know, helplessness where it's like, what can I do? What can we do? And we were just having this conversation and, um we're like how can we like use our platform and use the space that we're in um that being craft beer to kind of bring forth some kind of change so we, we just start having conversations and then you know it starts out it's just me and basil and me basil and kevin and we're just like having these intense conversations and then we kind of broaden that conversation with with you know more members of the finback team so we spent 
that following Monday, you know, about 10 of us, you know, just totally unrelated to beer, but just talking about, you know, issues of race and injustice and, you know, what we could do and, 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 you know, Hey, this is a safe space. We should be able to talk about everything and just kind of just opened it up for us. And then we, you know, kind of would like, Hey man, this, this, these conversations that we're having is like, they're, they're very rewarding, you know, and rewarding from a standpoint where, you know, yes, you're able to shift perspectives and, you know, you're able to, you know, learn from each other and you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. able to, you know, find some sort of common ground. Um, Cause we are never going to all agree on every single thing across the board, top to bottom. It's just, that's just the reality of, of the world. And the nature of it, the nature of the problem is so huge. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. like, like I've listened to so many people talking about it and coming at from different di- mm-hmm. directions there's no one universal answer well there is a kind of universal answer but when you when you bring it forward into kind of political change mm-hmm. and economic change mm-hmm. that's where it really mm-hmm. really can, mm-hmm. can become uh, complex yeah and and i think that is why this was so important to us because you know it was let's let's create a space that people can have these conversations and engage um mm-hmm. one another um and hopefully in doing that and we can, you know, we can get closer. So yes. yeah, that's where the concept kind of birthed from. And we were trying to find out, you know, f- figure out what we wanted the name to be, you know, and we were, this is where you, you gave me a shout about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we yeah. Spoke about exactly. It exactly. We were trying to figure out what to call it. And we like went back and forth and, you know, it was, and, uh, you know, I can't breathe kind of became, you know, like a resonating call to action, you know, uh, you know, being, you know, when, when George Floyd was killed, but of course, you know, couple years ago and you know and yeah before that. exactly so you know i can't breathe kind of you know became this this resonating call to action of like hey like you're killing us you know like like literally you're about to kill me you know like i can't breathe meaning like you you, you please let up you know almost and you know breathing you know kind of said all right like if we are like we can breathe right now you know and, and as long as we are breathing you know then we need to be doing something to affect some real change and bring forth some real change. And that's where, you know, breathing, you know, kind of came from. And then it was, we believe that conversation and and dialogue and engaging one another about real issues and having real conversations, you know, can breathe life into that change that we seek. Mm -hmm. Um, And this project, we want it to be this, this living, breathing, you know, uh, platform where it doesn't end. You know, and like you look at the all together, you know, collaboration It's like, all right, you know, we we here's all together and, you know, raise money for, you know, hospitality individuals, you know, dealing with stuff during the pandemic. And then black is beautiful. It's like raise awareness about the issues that, you know, people of color face in this country and the injustices and racism and all that raise awareness. But then it's like, where does the where do these projects go now? You know, like once once you brew black is beautiful, do you go blue it again? You know what? Like, you know, and for me, you know. I definitely salute, you know, Weather Souls for launching that project and getting it going. And as many breweries that, that hopped on, I think it's phenomenal. But to me, it did not hold, it does not hold people accountable. You know, it does not yeah. force the conversation. You know, you know, picking up a a, a, a a bottle or a can and you look at the label and it says Black is Beautiful, it, it doesn't say, hey, there's Black people being killed. You know, it, it doesn't say, you know, what are we doing about racism? It doesn't say, hey, 
you know, how do we reform the political, you know, system and the, and the justice system? You know, it doesn't say, hey, how do we position, you know, uh, each other economically, you know, to 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 combat, you know, the oppression that, you know, people of color face. You know, so this breathing project, we wanted it to, to be uh, to simply be a platform to encourage people to talk, you know, and, and you know, far too often. Uh, people stray away from the uncomfortable conversations. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, certain rooms. And this oh. is one of the, this is one of the most uncomfortable when you like, you know, talking about race and trying to understand it. Cause like, you know, I'm white from Britain. Mm-hmm. Are you? I, never... I had no clue you were white. Yeah. You had no clue. This is a video <laughs> call. Uh, but it's just not something that I, as a human being have ever had to, uh, has ever been focused on me, you know? Mm-hmm. I have never experienced racist abuse. Mm-hmm. So so this is where they kind of like, but then I would always, you know, I abhor racism. But then the conversation that sprung up from all this is that like, is it enough to just not like racism? There, there needs to be some action within this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, and that's how... Go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, that's that's how we become united to, to move forward. Um but it it's a hard conversation. These these are hard conversations to have, and you know you want to be right. You want to be you want to shape things how you feel them. But also, it requires a lot of listening, mm-hmm. especially in this mm-hmm. in this current climate. Because I I kind of say this, and I don't want people to take it the wrong way. But like empathy is a limiting emotion because it requires you to put yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. I am not a black man or a black woman facing police brutality in America right now or in the UK. So my empathy is limited because I cannot put myself in that. I can never understand it, Mm -hmm. but I can understand it on a compassionate level as a human level. I totally can, Mm -hmm. but I will never know what it's like to be when, so I'm a huge NBA fan and they've called off all the games. Mm -hmm. And I was watching uh, Chris Webber speak this morning and I watched the, someone else speak and they were talking about how they have to sit their children down and tell them about all this stuff before they've even seen a film where someone dies in it, you know? Mm-hmm. They have to have a conversation about about death mm-hmm. and about how they have to do everything they can to not not come to the same fate as George Floyd or um, Jacob Blake. And, and that is just horrifying mm-hmm. it's 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 t- it's tough it's definitely tough man I'm, I'm at i'm at this point um you know it's you know I'm, I'm not in a position right now where i i i don't have kids yet and i don't uh i can't even begin to imagine you know what mm-hmm. what how i would have that conversation and i think that um it's it's it is a. Uh, I, I can only imagine how challenging, you know, that can be. Uh, I don't even know where to start, you know? And like, uh, you know, you, it's you, just not a conversation you should have yeah, to have. That's, yeah, you that's the big... but, but unfortunately you do, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if everybody knows this. I think most people who are going to listen to this might be aware, but, um, you know, you're, you, you are an expecting father, man. And you're about mm-hmm. to be a dad for the, for the first time. And, you know, and you and Chloe having your first child together. And, you know, how do you prepare yourself to, to 
to raise a child that, you know, is not conditioned, you know, to, to racism and, and, Mm -hmm. but can understand that it exists, but isn't a part of the, the racist belief system. Because, you know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, actually, I'll, I'll read this quote. One of my favorite um, quotes from Jane Elliott. I don't know if you, 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 you're familiar with Jane Elliott. Jane, yeah, the, the teacher, the exactly. blue-eyed, brown eyes. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So she, you know, one of my favorite quotes from her is, you are not born racist. You are born into a racist society. And like anything else, if you can learn it, you can unlearn it. But some people choose not to unlearn it because they are afraid they'll lose power if they share with other people. We are afraid of sharing power. That's what it's all about. And that, I believe, speaks to the systemic oppression and, you know, why racism exists in so many different, uh, so many different, you know, outlets in society because it's designed for power. It's designed Mm -hmm. to keep, you know, one, you know, group of people, you know, feeling like they're less than one group of people, you know, in control of the other group of people, one group of people oppressing the other group of people. And I think that it exists so many different areas of society that when, you know, when you really sit down and you start to like, look at it, you know, it's like, damn, like, you know, you look at, you know, you know, redlining, you know, and you look at, you know, uh, access to to home loans and grants and you look at the education system you look at what's taught in these textbooks you look at you know of course the justice system you look at the even the laws you some of these laws are like wow like these laws are significantly worse for people of color you know like how you know a, a, a black man and a white man you know can do the exact same crime but the sentences aren't the same mm-hmm. and there's so many different you know, when you really, really look at it, there's so many different areas that you that that jump out. And you're like, wow, like this is oppression. You know, this is racism, you know, and it's systemic because it's built into the system. It was built in like, again, like I, I believe that these police, the police, these police, not all of these police officers are racist. Not all of them are, you know, I, and, I, and, I, and I truly believe that. However, if you have someone who doesn't have uh, a strong foundation and a strong understanding of what racism is and what oppression is, and and they can't stand on their own ground, stand their ground on these issues, these these issues that are right on the line, right? They get into the the, the police force that say, "Hey, protect yourself." Oh, you know, you, you know, and, and, they, and, they, and they t- the police officers are being taught, "Oh, you know, these 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 black these black men and these black people like you're threatening." And, you know, like, you know, don't, don't let, don't be threatened and protect yourself at all times. Like, you know, and if, if you got to shoot, shoot and, you know, Hey, if you go in these neighborhoods and you know just arrest them, arrest them and, and we'll deal with it later, whether it's right or wrong. And they're taught all these things. And then they go into these neighborhoods with their, they're, they're not used to being in, you know, they grow up and you got these police officers that grow up, you know, with lies and they really don't have many black friends and they really don't have many black experiences and they don't, you know, police, they don't, know these communities then they go into these communities and then it's like oh i'm scared i'm threatened i'm frightened yeah well but that comes with another thing doesn't it which is that like i'm a spectator from uh the uk to the to american like politics and 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 just general it from from a 
from a UK perspective, it seems just insanely violent in America. You know, like the chances of death seem so much higher. And yeah. obviously you could link that, uh, correlate it with the fact that there's more guns in America than there are people. Mm-hmm. So you don't know. And then you've got police officers who are, I mean, some of the stuff, I think you put up these, just like the, the amount of training is so minimal mm-hmm. to become. And then you're going into situations where you, you could be scared for your life every single day and then leaving and then going back into them and then your training is minimal. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, there is, and this is not to elicit sympathy on like certain individuals. I think there's just bad actors in, in there as well, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. But, but it's terrifying. Like it, it, it just seems a terrifying prospect and without the training and without the, like cultural training as well as just like firearms training and threatening training that it just it feels like a perpetual motion it mm-hmm. feels like a problem that will never be extinguished until until some kind of reform and uh training can take place to 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 change it but mm-hmm. i mean it's again this is what these are these this is pretty huge i mean i've listened to some really interesting stuff on camden news at new jersey i don't know if mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. That's check that where they, where they totally reformed the, the police and there's a really interesting uh podcast with the i think she was acting this district attorney there and the kind of and and the chief of police and the hurdles that they had to jump over and the hatred that they got because it really upsets a lot of people to to rip things down and rebuild them mm-hmm. um, but that's, I think, I don't know, man. Necessary. It just seems necessary. like that's totally what it requires. It's necessary. Yeah. It's, it's, reform is is extremely necessary. And and mm-hmm. I think that we are moving in that direction. I think with all the things that are happening, like, I don't necessarily agree with the defund the police, you know, because yeah. I, I think that... But that, but that in itself, the, 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 that word is just... I mean, I think... too it, much. It, there's, it, there's too it, many things linked it, to it. Too many, like, exactly, exactly. And, I, and I, don't think, I don't think that that is the solution. I do think that police officers need more training. I think it needs to be yeah. way more intense. And, and there need to be classes, you know, that, that are about de-escalation. And they ultimately teach the value of life. Because, like, because uh, truthfully, you know, like you look at the, you know, Black Lives Matter, it's like Black Lives Matter is, 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 it's not saying, you know, that white lives don't matter or that, you know, Asians li- Asian lives don't matter. No, it, it's not saying that anybody's life, you know, does not matter. It's saying, hey, but we are the ones that are being killed. We're the ones. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels ridiculous that you that you even have to like uh, point that out, but I know that that's been a huge yeah, thing. People jump on it. That, it's, that it's, it's just like, only only black lives matter is just it's just the most ridiculous I mean, it's, that it's crazy it's crazy and then and then you know it, it's unfortunate but you, you have issues that really like truthfully like these are humanitarian issues like these are about totally. you know it's human humanitarian issues and you know it's not about black or white it's about ble- being human and it's like you know like the value of a life it's like to take someone's life to 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 kneel on someone's neck for eight, eight minutes and 46 seconds, to shoot someone seven times in the back, to bust into somebody's house while they're in bed and shoot them accidentally. But then you don't, there's no accountability. You, you still get to go and, and, and live your life every single day. These things are absurd. And you, you, like, you know, part of me is like outraged, you know, but then another part of me is like, you know, it's, 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 it's 
like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say defeated, but, you know, disheartening, you know, but that, that these things keep happening, you know, like you just, you get on Instagram, you know, and you know, I'm just scrolling because I want to, you know, participate in social media, like, you know, just have an outlet. And then it's every week, there's something new that's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. And it's almost, yeah. almost too much that these things are. It, it is, it's a lot though, isn't it? Like, it's, again, I saw someone, I mean, 7 billion people suffering is a hard thing to, mm-hmm. to take in as a human being. Mm-hmm. And through social media, we have more, more, uh, more information than we've ever had in our whole lives in a, in, you know, like you go down and brush your teeth and sit on your phone for a couple of minutes and you've taken in so much already. Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing it that back to that point, this feels like what you were saying is that it's just such a human problem. Like this is, this is a, for the, a thread of humanity that needs to run through us all. It's mm-hmm. like, it, it, and we were saying about the big structures being really complex, but again, the, the founding principle is, People being treated equally, not dependent on race. Like that, that is such a simple, simple thing. But you would think so. I mean, it makes yeah. me. There's never a moment. Exactly. I've never had a moment in my life where I was like, I'm better than that person. Or, yeah. oh, that guy's, oh, he's an Asian guy. Oh, I'm way better than him. You know, or mm-hmm. yeah, I've never had that. Like, I was not raised like that. You know, talking about my mom, you know, my mom was, was raised in the 60s and 70s, you know? So, like, you know, she grew up in an in, in an area in in America that was you know we were still dealing with segregation. You know, and 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 so we grew up in, in the sixties. You know, where my mom has stories where you know they're at a hotel and they won't let her use the pool, and you know the the black guests weren't allowed to to use the pool. They had to go in a different entrance. And she has these stories. And I'm like, I can't imagine like like going to a hotel somewhere and not being allowed to use all the amenities that I pay for. It's, you know, it's absolutely I can't imagine memorable. having to imagine if like we're at a beer festival and all of the black people have to go in, you know, the the, uh, uh, the back door and then they're only allowed to drink from a couple of the jockey boxes, you know, and, and you know, they, you know, in, in the lines over, you know, it's like and, and then the restrooms, they have the, they all have one restroom to use and instead of the oil. I can't imagine these things. And my mom, you know, my, my parents, they grew up in that time period. So. You know, they did a good job of, of making me aware of, of what they went through when, you know, once I was, once I was born and me and my brother and my sister. And, but there was never a, you know, we went through this, so you need to, you need to, you know, lash out or you need to, you know, get even, or, you know, or you shouldn't like white people because they did this to us, you know, and it was never that it was, and I don't think. It, it should ever be that. And I'm grateful that, you know, I, I've, I've become well-rounded and you now I've been able to, tr- you know, travel and meet people all over. But, you know, I've, I've, ha- I've definitely had, you know, some experiences that, that have, mm-hmm. you know, like, dang, like there's still, you know, some really racist people out here. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's thing, there's things in place. Like I, I, I think back to, you know, some of the jobs I interviewed for, you know, early on in life where I was the most, I know for a fact, I was the most qualified candidate. But it's like, Hey, do we want to, and this black dude, you know, this job and have him be the face of our restaurant, you know, and do I, and this is, these are the things that you experience. And it's like, you kind of become numb to them. Cause it's like, all right, you know, it is what it is. You know, Anthony, and I, uh, Anthony from other half and I talked about it the other night. It was like, yeah, I, I listened. Yeah. It was like, uh, how many times I, I've, I've like gone or wanted to go to a certain venue and have had to like, you know, dress up 
you know, to, to look less threatening, you know, or, or, you know, or make sure you got on white pants or pastels just because, Hey, if, if, if I'm, if I'm wearing jeans, they might not let me in, you know, cause, cause there's a black man in jeans and, and Timberlands or jeans and boots, you know, is, is threatening. That same, that same guy, he put, you know, some seersucker pants and a button up shirt. He's less threatening. So it's like so many things that you know, we become conditioned to deal with. And, uh, I know I've been guilty. You know, I've been guilty of it because it's like, oh, man, I, I, I just want to go out and have a good time. So if it means I have to, you know, iron my shirt before I go out, you know, it is what it is. If it means that I have to swap out the, the jeans for a pair of pants just to get in, uh, you know, it is. If it means that, you know, I can only invite, you know, two of my, my, my black friends, because if we show up six of us, six black men, we might not get in, you know, so it's mm-hmm. so many different things and so many ways that we've we've had to, you know, adjust you know, and to, to fit in. And I think that, you know, we, the days of assimilation are, are, are far behind us. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, for, for, for decades, you know, assimilation was, the, was the thing. Like you look at, you know, I'm kind of jumping around here, but you look at segregation, right? You know, during, when things, when, in the times of segregation, it was like black, black people could not go to the white schools. So you, you had the white people and you know, wh- white people went to the white schools, black people went to the black schools, right? Same thing with doctors, dentists, you know, post office, everything, right? So you have these, ultimately, black people had their own, right? They, they had to, they had no choice but to have their own, you know? And, um, but then segregation comes and segregation is like, okay, you know, it's ruled, you know, Brown versus Board of Education, of course, hey, segregation is unconstitutional everybody's allowed to go to every school right so what Mm -hmm. happened all the black people are now allowed to go to the white schools so all of the black schools disappear all of the black doctors and post offices you know disappears and now you don't have your own anymore right because now you can it's constitutional can't segregate you're allowed to, to to participate but but all of those systemic problems are still there right now I can, yeah, I can go to the white school now, but does that mean, but I still have to deal with all the hate and, and, and my classmates looking at me, you know, a certain way you, you look at, you know, Jackie Robinson. Yes. Now the black players can play, you know, in, in the white baseball league, but you still got to ride on a different, different bus. You still have to deal with all the, of, of, of the issues that were exist in society. You know, it's not like all of a sudden now, cause you're a black baseball player, racism doesn't exist in baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we fast forward and bring it back to to where we are right now, and it's and it's yes, like are there uh, does racism still exist? One hundred percent. Do I believe that every single you know person is racist? No, you know, and I and I don't believe, you know, I don't believe that. I, I do believe that we are closer than society tells us. You know, we are closer together. We have way more mm-hmm. common ground than we are led to believe. But the way for us to continue that path, and that's the path of oneness, the path of togetherness, you know, the the, the path of, of unification is to continue to talk and have dialogue and like call people out. And, and you kind of mentioned it, but, you know, it's not okay to just not be a racist. You know what? I'm not a racist. I'm good. Yeah. Like it's, 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 not okay to just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist, which means you have to be a part of the fight, you know? And I think that is where we are now. It's because 
the, these issues of, of racism and prejudice and injustice, all of the issues, they've been a black fight for so long, you know, and, and, and you know, it's just been, it's been, it's so long. It's like, we're, we're exhausted. We're exhausted. Yeah. Like, it, it, like, you know, it's like waking up every day, you know, and, and having to go out into the world and deal with these issues. You know, it's exhausting. It's like, you know, to a point where it's like, all right, man, it is what it is. You know, I'm just going to, you know, stay in my area. I'm not going to try to go to these, you know, places that they don't, don't want me. And, and, and I know that, you know, if, if I try to go get into this restaurant, they're going to treat me differently. So I'm just not going to go and all these things because you know, I'm tired of fighting them. Right. But now I feel like we are at a place where the, it, there's a heightened global awareness. You know, there's mm-hmm. a there's a heightened understanding and a call to activism from a humanitarian standpoint that you are no longer can just sit back, you know, and just. All right. Uh, I'm not a racist. I got black friends. So, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm good. You know, it's like you have to actively participate. You have to actively engage in, in being part of the change. And I think that, you know, th- that's where we are now. And and that's why this this current, you know, wave of activism and, and these protests and all this stuff is it, it's gaining momentum because you got a lot of people that have sat on the sidelines and are now getting, you know, in, in the fight. It's like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to jump in. This is why I said, you know, like this is an honest and open conversation and and I have to, you know, you have to run through your whole history of who you are as a human being and and step out because this, as much as people just, we talked about comfortableness, people don't want to be uncomfortable and this makes people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat Mm -hmm. when you start trying to bring these issues up and it's time to be uncomfortable. I think that's just what Absolutely. it is. It's time to be uncomfortable. And when you and Anthony sat down at that conversation, you know, you were throwing back you, your two black men who've, who have had shared experiences. You know, we're having this conversation in a different light, you know, because I haven't had the experiences you've had. I've never had to, all of those things you're saying are like wrenching at my soul because I've just never had to, never had to um, abide by those thought processes. And, that's why it's time to just kind of like really take hold of this and and speak out and be linked in arm with your fellow man and and, and try and bring humanity to a to a better place and i know that sounds so pie in the sky doesn't it but like this is how it has to start um and you know i think I was listening to a conversation with Adam Buxton and Zadie Smith, who's a really, I don't know if you know Zadie Smith, like a brilliant British uh, black writer. And she was just saying about like, how, he was basically saying that in the 90s, he was like, yeah, racism's done. Like, this, we thought it was just all over and everyone was all right. And she was, she was just like, no, I never had that feeling whatsoever. So mm. I think just like this kind of veiled look at, it's not wanting to see outside the line. It's like blinkers, isn't it? You don't really want to look to your left and right to see the pain that people are in because it's easy to just move forward. Yeah. It's, you, you definitely need to send that podcast, man. And, and, and the ones that you, and, and I, I welcome you, anything you come across, you listen to that you find. Oh, man. Just share I mean, this is just being, a, this is, I mean, it's, it's, it's stuff that, um, you know, me and my wife, Chloe listen to anyway, but like, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a deep, deeply educational time. Mm. These are, this is a time to like fucking dig in, read the books, listen to the podcasts, um, 
engage with it like like you were saying uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. have them with family friends uh, you know we're bringing this into the workplace because this is what we do mm-hmm. the thing that drives us is the is the people that we you know people that we serve and the people that we're around So I have a I have I have a I have a question and, and I'm, I'm curious because now I've, I've traveled so this is so I, I'll I'll kind of preface the question like this so I traveled my first time my first trip to Europe was to London mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to get to Europe and I'm like I'm gonna go to Europe and I fly into London and I spend you know three or four days in London and then I go from London to Amsterdam you know, from Amsterdam back to London, another day in London and then back. And then, you know, that was my first trip to Europe. And then, you know, of course, you know, now we're with work and, 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 you know, years later, I've, I've, I've spent a good amount of time in the UK. And one of my first, one of my first like moments of of clarity in, in, in regards to my experience in traveling to the UK was I did not feel you know, you expect, I expected to get off the plane and here's a black dude in London. And like, like to have these, like, like to feel uncomfortable being a, mm-hmm. being a, being a, but I, I did not get it at all, you know? And then to see so many different, you know, black people, you know, that were already living, like, this is, this is something that was not, you know, this I, in, on that first trip, I was not aware. Right, you know, it was I mean, like London. I, London's, London's like New York, man. Exactly, it's, it's, it's exactly. But I did not so know that. I did not yeah. know this. So, so for me, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm about to step off into this, you know, really, really white, you know, <laughs> you know, city, and that wasn't the case. So that's my first mm-hmm. experience. Like, all right, cool. And I also did not. I, I would say I have not experienced, you know, I, on my trips to the to the UK, I have not experienced racism in any way. You know, and I can say that, you know, very proudly, you know, I have not experienced it. I've never felt uncomfortable. You know, yes, I've there are times I've been, you know, maybe the only black person in the room or in the pub that we're in, whatever. But I never felt a certain way about it. Right. So that was like one of the first things. But I kind of use that to preface to to kind of ask the question on like you are someone who was, you know, born and raised, you know, in in the UK and, and, and you live there now and you live in one of the biggest cities you know, in, in the UK, you know, what, what is the climate, you know, in in regards to race in, in the UK? Well, I definitely think that we have a skewed vision of it because America just seems so, um, it seems so cut and clear over there. You can kind of just see everything whilst ours is a little, maybe more I don't I don't want to say operates in the shadows because that's totally wrong and people would be like that's total bullshit mm-hmm. but it's not it exists and it's re, it like I'm from a pre, really predominantly white place you know like there was like one black person in my high school you know in these little pockets and areas that I think racism is just is there all the time it's same in America like these little little towns where it's just predominantly white population and 
and ignorance reign supreme. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems it seems so cut and dry in America, where I, which I think kind of almost steals. I don't want to say steal. I don't know steals the spotlight or something. And we can look over there and we can say, look at all those problems mm-hmm. rather than, and, and not really kind of taking a, an inward look and looking at our own problems. But again, I feel almost like totally unequipped to, to talk about it. I can talk about my experiences with it and, and seeing people be racist or where I'm from and how that was. But, but I, I sit in an incredibly privileged seat, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that's why... I guess like I feel like some almost like clumsy in this conversation because you just like I can I can say it how I feel about it but I can't say it from how I've experienced mm-hmm. it if that makes sense it makes it makes plenty of sense and, and that's the that is to have that experience you know it's, it's, it's so funny but it says like it it it, it um to say to 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 be able to look and say, oh man, like, like, damn, like, and this is just me, 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 me throwing this out there or, or framing this is like, mm-hmm. oh man, like black people have it bad, you know, like, oh man, they like going through it. It's like oh, it's from, from, from the outside looking in, right? But like you just said, it's like to actually have that experience, like, like not black people got it bad. It's like, I got it bad. You know, and mm-hmm. there is definitely two perspectives. However, I do believe in us forging, you know, an understanding and engaging, having dialogue, you know, it, you do need both sides of it to bring forth the change, you know, because yeah. the, the people who are looking at it from the outside have to, although they don't have that firsthand experience, they do have to help shape the future. And that's, and that's really what this is about. It's about how do we work together, engage one another, you know, get better together to make this world a better place for our children, our children's children and generations after us. And that really is like our humanitarian responsibility, you know, is to make this world a better place for those who will occupy after us, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think when, the more of us that realize that and start focusing our attention and our energy and our efforts on making this world a better place for, 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 for generations to come, the better off we will be, you know, and totally. we, we might not get a chance to, to, to see some of the fruits of our labor and, and get to see some of the, the work or the seeds that we planted kind of grow into these massive trees. We, we might not get to see that. And that's okay because someone else is going to, you know, benefit We're we're right now, we are benefiting from the, from the work of our ancestors, from, from the seeds that were planted by our parents and our grandparents, you know, and, and we, 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 we both, I, we both sit now, we both have jobs that we love and, you know, people are lives that we, we love and care about. And, and that's amazing. You know, but it took, you know, your, your grandparents and your, and, and your parents and you know, my grandparents and my parents. It took their work and then positioning for us to be able to live the lives that we're living now. And yeah, I think that is where the focus, you know, lies on. Well, on, you kind of you you asked me because, you know, like being a father to be of how mm-hmm. you 
And the truth is, you know, my dad, I feel, gave me a very strong sense of a moral code, but he didn't do it with any necessary conversations. He did it just through being who he was mm-hmm. as a person mm-hmm. and his actions. And there was there was no like sit down conversation, say, for instance, about race. I just know, knew that he, he saw all people as equal. You know, I'm I'm and my mum and 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 that that was the biggest lesson that it's a, it's almost like a subconscious lesson. You don't necessarily know that it's happened, but just as you grow up, especially where you know, where I grew up, which was a predominantly white neighborhood, you, you realise that a lot of people are being brought up in totally different households to that and hold totally different views. But yeah, so I, but then it's it's how do I build on what my dad taught me and, and what he gave to me, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's it's gonna be a journey, man. And I, I just like you said, the the voyage is to try and try and make this world a little bit better than you know you left it than it was left before. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you how do you think about it? Because you 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 come at it in a totally different direction. I mean, well, well, again, like, I feel like you, you're absolutely right. I think you're in regards to raising your children is, it's you raise, you know, it's lead by example. And I think that's the best way for them to learn. And you don't have to say, don't do, don't do, don't do, but these are the things to do. Like, you know, and you know, I, I don't have to burn myself to know that it's not going to feel good, you know? And, um, I think there is. You know, I, 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 craft beer has provided this platform where the the majority of my audience, you know, and the people that I engage, you know, are white, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, it's one of the things that I would, I would love to see like craft beer. And I think it will become more and more diverse and more and more inclusive. And I do see with everything that's going on right now. There, that is happening you know it's it's definitely happening and you know it's it's you know my my belief that by me just you know doing what i'm doing and and being a face and 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 being active and you know in, in the space that we're we're in right now in the craft beer world it's going to create you know a lane and open a door for a lot more people and totally. um and, and, and that's all I, you know, that's for me, that's best case scenario, you know, is that more yeah. people, more black and brown people, you know, get involved or, 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 you know, get into craft beer and, and get involved in it and, and maybe go work for a brewery. And, you know, you, you start seeing, you know, these festivals that are going to be a lo- lot more diverse and not, you know, you know, don't just look like one, one, one way. And I think that that's what I, I envision, and that's my goal, you know, in, in, at least in, in the craft beer space is to do that from a personal standpoint. You know, I just, um, I want to be a vessel that people, I want to be a vessel to help people and however, you know, I can live, live, whether it be being a better version of themselves, whether it be, um, motivating them, whether it be, you know, helping them get over a, a, a hurdle that they, they're not, whatever I can do, however I can help people. That's what I want to do 
with the rest of my life and the rest of my time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it's less about personal legacy and more about letting the work that I do, you know, speak for me. And yeah. this breathing project, you know, it's so, it's so near and dear, you know, to my heart and like, because it means so much, you know, and if, if, so two people, you know, somewhere are sit down and they're looking at the can labels and it encourages them to have a conversation and they start talking about some of these things and it it shapes perspective or changes perspective or brings those two people closer together or you know maybe shed some light on something that's gonna like allow them to step out into the world and be better people. Then, and if that's only one person, this entire project. Then it that was only happens to one person, it was worth it, you know? Totally. And, and, and I believe that it's going to be way more than one person, but if it's only one person, then it was worth it. And I feel like that's how we change the world. Start with ourselves. How can we be better? And if we can make ourselves better, then we make each other better. And that's how you change the world. You know, none of us can snap our fingers or pour one beer or do anything, you know, that is going to make everything better in an instant. But if we can change what we can touch and influence what we can touch, then we are all doing our part to make this world a better place. Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so inspiring, dude. Like you've always been an inspiration in that sense. And I think, you know, this, this conversation that we've been having before and let's like to bring it back to the beer kind of side of things is that there is some really big fucking questions that are, link to what we've been talking about like huge when, it, when again to repeat myself on the economic and and justice system but what we what we do know like what i know is is craft beer and like what i know that it can do is bring people together mm-hmm. and what i know that i can do is create a space where people can come together and the beauty of craft beer is that Man, I had this conversation the other day with who, the guest who's going to be the first uh, the first guest in Series 2 of the first time. And they articulated it brilliantly. You know, like, there's a slight inhibition loss when people have a drink. They become a little looser. They become a little relaxed. That's kind of why they, why we do it. You know, we go down to relax. And, and in that space, we can change it. You know, we can change as people and we can we can have conversations that that have lasting effect. Um, and one of the most brilliant experiences of my beer life was when we came out to New York and we went to Fifth Hammer. And the collection of people there were just, it was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. There was like jazz music playing. There was families, people of every ethnicity. Mm-hmm. There, there was just, no one was looking for anything other than a good time and to smile, laugh joke and be close to the people they care about and that's you know it sounds really cheesy and stuff but that's that's what that's what I love about this industry like it can be difficult it can be uncomfortable but at the end of it there there should be a feeling of positivity there should be this this lasting sense of what it is to be a human being and I know that like (laughs) You know, we're doing a beer podcast and someone could listen to you like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> and and I get that. I get that. But like what we're doing right now is trying to engage on this issue in the way we know how. And this is 
this is how we know how to do it. Like this, and, and through beer and through that vessel, we and and the project project that you've kind of sprung up is. I love that it's not one uh, one dimensional. Feels like a negative. It's not necessarily like the the black is beautiful is incredible. It's raised so much money for so many different organizations, but but it's static, kind of in 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 what it is as a project. Whilst breathing conversations, breathing is intrinsic to being a human being, and conversations are how we grow as human beings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so, you just you just man. It, if if a year from now, man, we are because we're going to brew breathing again and again and again mm-hmm. and again. And for for us, it's you know kind of our way of you know you know collaborations is you know have kind of gone, you know, and they were kind of already headed that direction. And COVID kind of made it even more now. It's like just virtual mm-hmm. collaboration. It's like, hey, we're going to make a beer together. Slap your label on it, and you know, and these are the hops we're going to use, and you know, whatever. Um, but I feel like collaboration you know, the roots of it are, are are so much deeper than just, Hey man, we're going to use your logo on a can or Hey man, we're going to collaborate yeah. on a beer. You know, like, you know, even you speak back to the, you know, the beers that we've made, you know, the, the time that went and talking about them, coming up with a name and the concept and what we wanted to do and all these things, you know, it like it was real, you know, and we, we view this breathing project for us as our way now to engage, you know, like, Oh, you guys want to mm-hmm. collaborate? Then, then how about let's have a conversation. You know, let's let's talk yeah. about some real stuff and and really get to know each other and and let's see what is birth from that. And uh, so we kind of look at it. We foresee this being, you know, you know, a, you know, Basil, you know, kind of alluded to it um, in, in one of his comments. I believe that made the uh, that made the label was uh, we see this project. We want it to simmer rather than boil. You know, mm-hmm. we 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 want it to be something that you know continues you know, for as long as, as it can. And hopefully, you know, it, as long as that we are here and then when we're not here anymore, it's still somebody, you know, carrying the torch along. And that's kind of what we, we have, you know, that's how, what we want this project to be. And I think that we, we definitely will, will accomplish a lot, you know, a lot with it. Um, we, we, you know, you and I kind of spoke about it, but, you know, we, we, launching and launched this this nonprofit called beyond beer which uh, you know i hope you guys are going to join us in this project but ultimately what we're going to do with this project we want to do with this project is is address so many of the non-beer related issues you know and you know how can we do more can we use our platform to raise money but then use that money to 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 invest in real change and invest in, in, in fixing things and, 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 you know, maybe providing some support for some organizations that already are engaged, you know, and, and actively working, you know, to, 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 to fight system, systemic, you know, racism and oppression and, and all these different things. So, uh, you know, we have, we've, you know, I look at that and it just makes me, it makes me excited about so much work to be done. There's so much mm-hmm. that we can do. And, you know, it's, you know, that, that keeps me going because it makes me want to like get back after it, you know, and, and, um, this project, you know, it's, it's, it's brought clarity. It has, it has, you know, motivated me a little bit more. It has opened my eyes to the possibilities of change and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, talking about outward change, but more importantly, inward change. 
you know, and that's really what it is about. I believe that the, the, the journey to consciousness, you know, and oneness is a, is a journey inward, not a journey outward. You know, and the more that we, more time that we spend really getting to know ourselves and really getting to know each other, you know, the better people that we, we become. Because ultimately, we make each other better. experience in fifth hammer i would just love to have in our tap room in years to come you know and i really think that we we need to just take a look at maybe the british beer scene of just like what what do people outside of the bubble of craft beer really think mm-hmm. about beer scene? like so the the charity that we kind of were working with is kids of color mm-hmm. in like a manchester-based group that work with people that have experienced racism and in education and then beyond education as mm-hmm. well. So like kind of younger, I, I mean, it, it obviously stretches really far, but I'd love to get a feel for, you know, like 20 something year olds of just what their perception of like British beer culture is. And I imagine it's outdated. I imagine that they don't see any of the incredible opportunities and creativity that actually goes throughout the industry now. So I think that there needs to be some kind of, I just wonder if there's just been this big insulating wall around it that we'd need to look, just just take apart and and show it for, I, I feel incredibly lucky. I mean, I've totally fell into this and I feel so lucky to have fallen into a career that is that gives me so much, um, so much back. You know, I, I, I wanted to be a musician my whole life. That was it. That was everything that I always wanted to be. And then I got this job and I was like, well, this kind of gives me everything that I always wanted as a musician. I mean, apart from playing gigs, but like I wanted to travel. I wanted to see people. I wanted mm-hmm. to have some creative outlet. And and I just think that the perception of, of what it what beer is, is, is probably totally skewed. Like, and so I think our job is, as track is to really try and open that up Um and try and make it feel a more inclusive environment to be so we can get to that point where everyone's sat around being close to each other, caring about one another and enjoying fucking some good beers mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Or does that it sound makes, totally- no, it makes, it makes perfect sense. I mean, and I think if you dismantle the perception of what the craft beer scene is, cause I, you know, you know, and, and I think that that, that is, cause even, even, even me and, you know, it's like, you know, you get to a, like, damn, who's this, who's this black craft beer dude? And I think that you have this, <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's a, you know, it, me and Anthony laugh about it all the time, but it's like unusual, you know, and, you know, him and I mm-hmm. both, we, we've had conversations about showing up for collabs and people are like, oh, uh, all right. <laughs> no. Not as exactly, not what I expected, you know, especially serious. Especially, not, not from a, you know, not from a not welcoming, definitely welcome, but it's like, oh, okay. Like. I wasn't expecting, you know, you know, a black dude from New York to show up, you know, and unless they follow us on social media, you know, because, you know, Anthony's Anthony's name is Anthony Finley. You know, my name is Anthony Totten. It doesn't scream like, oh, 
you know, <laughs> here, here's a black guy. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't scream that. So um, there's definitely been some surprise. But I don't know if there's anything else that you want to you want to talk about. Um, I think we covered. This, I mean, this is this is this is an ongoing conversation. I mean, we can keep it going. I mean, I'd like, like can, again, bro, we can we can and, and you and I, you know, we we definitely we talk often. We exchange messages, and I think we can keep mm-hmm. keep digging in, keep digging in. I, I have. I'm trying to see if I let me let me look really fast. If I had any questions that I one specific that I wanted to ask you, I had some curveballs, but we kind of got to them, I believe. I know we, you you had a set out like plan of questions, but that's totally. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I think they've been incorporated within the conversation, but probably uh, no. Nah, we kind of we they, you know, yeah they they actually we actually got to everything that I had on my list, man. It's, and it's so funny because like wasn't you know wasn't even looking at it. We just kind of talked. No. We just kind of got to them, which is which is really really good, man. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy about and it. And I just want to say uh, thank you for for being you, dude. Like the energy and positivity that I always get from reading your messages and your general outlook uh, keeps me motivated and inspired. Um, so this is a little loving for, for anyone listening. <laughs> man, appreciate appreciate <laughs> you, brother. You know, it's all, all love, all love between us. And that's never going to change, man. I appreciate you and our friendship and the bond that we have. And, you know, that, mm-hmm. and, you know, we can, I can literally call and talk to you about anything, you know, and, yeah. and it's tough sometimes with that five hour difference, you know, trying to line, think, line up schedule. <laughs> yeah. You, you can you can talk to me when you're out of fucking bed. <laughs> <laughs> Three in the afternoon. Yeah, take some take some doing. Oh man! But, yeah, but thank, who else would I so get up early? Dude. I get up early on my day <laughs> off to talk to you. Like that's what I do to get up early and talk to you. You know? Uh, I don't know. I give you. I give you. That's early. That's early. early. <laughs> you're an Englishman. You get out of you get out of bed at seven o'clock in the morning. Have Prompt tea and proper. And have yeah, tea. man. But you know, like. I, I, I'm actually as soon as we get off this call, I'm gonna go have a cup of tea just so I can like, <laughs> I, I can be on your wave right now. <laughs>